0: I think most of us uh, that um, have the Bible, have the Word of God as part of our life, we know how important it becomes to us and um, um, how we wouldn't want to be without it and all the things it does do for us. Uh, certainly one of the things that it would do for us is it encourages us. Uh, another thing is it teaches us about God. And the more you know about a person... Uh, the closer you can be to them, the more um, you can be sure of certain things about them. This person won't hurt me. This person has my uh, uh, best interest at his heart. Or <clears throat> I need to keep my eyes open on this person or about this person. You know, it could be a negative thing too. But <clears throat> when we study our Bible, read our Bible, spend time in our Bible and prayer... We get closer and closer to the Lord and we learn more and more about the Lord. And I believe he would have that to be the case because that's when our relationship begins to uh, really become more than just a head knowledge about God and what's true about God, but to be that relationship where He is our Father, we are His child, and we can function in our relationship with God on that level. Not just a knowledge level, but to know that He is indeed a loving Father who cares about us. Um, Our Bibles are important to us. And uh, I find a lot of times I can get sidetracked. And maybe not put as much time in it at a given time as I ought to. And it just, and those things happening, some things have to be taken care of where you just can't sit down right then and read your Bible. But I've found in my life too, a lot of times there's some frivolous things that I've allowed maybe to push the, my relationship with the Lord kind of to the back burner for a little bit. And so the Bible is important. And what I'd like to do um, tonight, I just wanted to share with you um, three things. I'll tell you what they are in just a minute. But these three things, to know about them and to know much about them, we'd have to find out about it from the Bible. And so this is just one example of... Um, uh, of what we see in scripture that the Bible helps us to become uh, better aware of um, who our God is, what our God can do, how much He cares for us, that He is a personal God and He wants to ha- have that personal relationship with us. I'm going to talk about three areas right here tonight and they have to be with Jesus uh have to be about Jesus. And these three areas are under these headings. Number one, Jesus is our creator. Number two, Jesus is our savior. And number three, Jesus is our peace and future. And so what I'll do is just, uh, I won't try to exhaust this. There's probably way more scriptures that we could use in talking about any of these, uh, any of these three. Uh, then we would have the time for tonight. But we're just going to look at a passage of Scripture, share a few thoughts, and just help us to see how important the Word of God is and how important it ought to be and what a great place in our life it ought to have. So Jesus is our creator if you walk down the streets of stageville and asked people took a survey and said who is jesus who do you think jesus is you would get all kinds of answers some of them would be civil but they certainly wouldn't give jesus the place that the scripture gives him others might be blasphemous uh, and certainly that would not give uh, jesus the place that he deserves but I just want to share with you the importance of the Word of God in helping us. That That's where God reveals himself to us. Yes, nature reveals God. The heavens do declare the glory of God. And the firmament does show His handiwork. And I'm going to have that verse here in a little bit. And we're going to uh, make a comment on it. Um, but although nature and creation uh, certainly... Clue us in that there's something beyond man. It still leaves a lot about God unknown, in which the Word of God can help to clear up. So I want to share this reference with with you. And uh, Jesus is our Creator. Um, I'm going to give you a couple verses, and then I'm going to make a few points, and we'll move on uh, to the next one, which is Jesus our Savior. The Bible starts out with this: these words, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Uh, The Gospel of John, which portrays Jesus as the Son of God, starts this way, In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Just three verses there. But three very important verses. Because they contain so much. I'm going to read them again uh, quickly. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. That was the Genesis 1-1 reference. And then the three verses from John. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. You know, if we went back to uh, what I mentioned a while ago, if you ask people what they think of Jesus, uh, there would be those that recognize him as the creator God, the son of God, the one that created everything that we see. By the way, that is what the Bible teaches. If you didn't have any other reference than what I just read there in John chapter 1, the first three verses, you would know and see that the Bible teaches that Jesus is the creator God. Now you say, well, I don't believe that. That's not what I'm talking about right now. What I'm saying is the Bible says that's the way it is. The Bible says it's true. And so I'm not afraid if somebody, well, I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe that stuff. That's okay. Okay. God knows how to speak to hearts. God knows how to break through the heart of shell. God knows how to take the truth of the word of God and work in a person's life to where they come to realize that, hey, there's something to this. There's something about this. But that person that would just come, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. Well, let me just say a couple things about that before we move on to the next one. And that's this. Uh, the psalmist said in Psalm fourteen one. he said, this is the psalm of David. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Now, I'll, I'll expand on that in just a little bit. Psalm fifty three one. Uh, says basically the same thing a psalm of david it starts it has that phrase the fool has said in his heart there is no god corrupt are they they have done abominable iniquity there is none that doeth good with just a couple little variations there almost word for word the same thing and so here's what I'm going to say as we move on and look at some other scriptures here that deal with this uh, fact of who God is, that He is real, that He can make Himself real, and Jesus is God, as we read there in the John passage, and Jesus created everything that we see. You know, somebody might say, well, I just don't believe in God. I just don't believe in God. Do you know... um, the Bible says that creation proves there's a God. You say, well, I don't think it does. Well, let, let me let me flesh that out in just a little bit. If a person said, I, I don't believe there's a God, uh, I don't want to hear that stuff. Because of what the scripture says, that person, when they do finally stand before God, will not be able to say, well, God, I didn't know. I didn't believe you existed. It's not my fault. I, I just didn't believe it. I didn't know. Um, the Bible tells us that creation is what takes away man's excuse to say there is no God. Psalm nineteen one through 3 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth its handiwork. Day in a day, utter speech. Night and a night, show with knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. God's creation is such that when people look at it, they have to, God's creation speaks to them, whether they'll admit it or not, say, man can't do this. Man is not capable of this. Chance couldn't do this. There's something beyond what I know and can see. And that God is crying out, there is a God. My creation that I put out there before you declares that I am real. And I've heard people say, sometimes talk about sending out missionaries and all, and they'll say, well, how about, um, how about those people that have never heard? Well, those people that have never heard, it's not as if they're totally ignorant. They know there's something going on beyond them because they see it in nature or I like the word creation better. And I, I don't have this all worked out in my own mind is how God deals with this. But I know that God has said, that my creation is such a revelation that nobody will be able to stand in, front, uh, in uh, uh, before me and say, I just didn't know that you existed. God is showing, has shown, will continue to show through His creation that He exists. And when you stop to think about it and consider it, let me just mention two things. One of them is microscopic. One of them is definitely macroscopic. Um, I can't flesh this out right now. Let me just say, evolution is one of the biggest lies to ever come down the road. And somebody says, well, I don't believe, uh, I I, I believe in science. I, I believe in science. I don't believe in evolution. That is... That is a statement that is so... It's about like me saying, I love my wife so much, I beat her with a ball-peen hammer every day. Somehow those two statements don't go together. I think most of you know she'd be doing the beating if it's anything <laughs> like that going on. <laughs> but if I said, I love my wife so much, I beat her with a ball-peen hammer every day, say, those two... those. <laughs> Those two statements don't go together. No, they don't. And for a man to say, I believe in science, I don't believe in God. Well, the microscopic, if you were to appear into a living cell, we'll just say a human cell. The intricacies of the human cell are so great that there's no way that that could have come together by chance. And somebody might say, well, there's one chance in, quad, in a quadrillion. Uh, you know what? Some uh, young people that will be up here in a minute, they can probably go down to the insurance company, or mom and daddy could for them, uh, with them, and they could probably get a quarter a quarter of a million dollars worth of insur- life insurance uh, for less than $20 a month. An old geezer like me goes down there and tries to get two hundred and fifty dollars worth of insurance, <laughs> and I have to hawk my house to do it. Why, why, why do they? That's not that's age discrimination. Why in the world would they do that? Because they know the odds are far greater. I'm going to die within the next year. The chances that I'm going to die in the next year are far, far greater than that healthy twelve year old. Dying, and so they're playing the odds. They say, we can make money by selling insurance to this guy. Even at $12, $12 a month, we can still make money. That guy there, $1,200 a month. No, no. See, what they're doing is they're operating on the probability that this has happened or this is not going to happen. What's the probability that something as complex as the human cell could have come together... By chance. It's off the scale. I don't even know if they can compute what that would be. And yet, we got to move on. Let me give you this and we'll move on. They say, I don't believe that God created stuff. You know what is the current in vogue creation hypothesis? What? Science is telling us, brought about everything we see. One day, nothing exploded and created everything. Let me say again. If you want a scientific explanation of how everything got here, nothing exploded and created everything okay duh <laughs> who's the big dummy there you say you pull my leg no I'm not I am not pulling your leg that is, go, run the internet look it up get go look at the uh, uh, college textbooks that is the current most popular uh, theory of how Everything that we see come about. In the past, probably about 17 billion years ago, something like that, uh, nothing exploded into everything. Um, which is easier to believe? What's the probability of an intelligent creator, God, creating everything versus nothing exploding into everything? It's crazy. It's crazy. God says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Why? Why? Because creation, as I just read there uh, in um, uh, Psalms 19,1 uh, through3, creation, with all its inner working parts, with the intricacies of it, declares something was involved in this. It didn't just happen. And let me give you this, and we'll move on. God says in Romans chapter 1 verses 15 through 20. This is, he says it through the apostle Paul. He says because of what we just said is true. It's so obvious that something instead of nothing was involved in bringing about all that we see. Man will not be able to stand before God and say 'I, I just didn't know. I just didn't know. This is the Apostle Paul talking. This is Romans 1, verses 15 through 20. He said, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them." There's something inside of them testifying that there is a being beyond them. For God has showed it unto them. How's He sh- How's he showed it unto them? For the invisible things of Him, since I cannot look at God and physically see God, God has given me evidences that He exists. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seeing, being understood by the things that are made. He said, you look around, you see that human cell. You see the galaxies that have billions upon billions upon billions of stars. He says, the things that you can see, scream out, there is a God. And I won't accept You're trying to talk your way out of that. You are without excuse for the invisible things of Him, of God. We don't see God, but we can certainly see the manifestations of God. From the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. Now look, here it is. So that they are without excuse. He said, my creation is enough that I will not accept anyone telling me I just didn't know. They're without excuse. Creation declares there's a God. My Bible tells me there's a God who created. He's Jesus. Jesus is our creator. And then, secondly, Jesus is our creator. Savior. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's things in the past I've memorized. I wouldn't try to say them today from memory. I think I could do that verse. But how many of you sometime in the past, and I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to ask you if you could do it right now. I'm not going to ask you to do it right now. How many of you sometime in the past have memorized John three sixteen? If you have, slip your hand up. That's a pretty good show of hands. Uh, if I, I'm maybe mistaken about this, because my memory does fail me from time to time, when I was in public school growing up, we could say Bible verses, and actually win a little testament or win uh, a week to camp by saying Bible verses in public school. And maybe the first time I memorized John three sixteen could have been in that setting. I'm not sure that's absolutely true. But what I told you about being able to memorize Bible verses in public school and, and get rewarded for it. That's true. But that verse is so packed and we don't have time to unpack it here. But I know from personal experience, you can get a good 45-minute message out of that Out of that verse. You sure can. Jesus is our Savior. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus is the Savior. He's the only begotten Son of God. God gave Him so that we might have everlasting life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17-21 in Isaiah 53, 6. From the Scriptures, we're told that Jesus, God, is our Savior. I'm going to read down from Second uh, Corinthians 5.17 all the way down to uh, uh, 5.21. I believe that's the verse that James quoted a while ago. But it says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. You know, God's holy and righteous. I'm a wicked, stinking sinner. How can I be reconciled to God? Well, this, this passage right here tells us how I, a lost sinner, can be made right with a holy God. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. You know what? All of us in here have a ministry. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You say, what does that mean? That's what this verse is, that's what these verses are telling us. It's our ministry to tell people they can be reconciled to a holy God through the finished work of his son. Well, bless God, that's what we pay the preacher for. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that's our ministry. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself and not imputing... That word "impute" means to put to the account of. If I had your bank account number, they used to have little counter slips where you could go and they didn't have a a bank account number on them. But if you went in and you wanted to withdraw, you could write your you know your account number on there and and uh, the amount you want, take it to the teller, and they would give you money out of that account. They also had the counter uh, uh, checks there where you could go up and you could deposit money by writing in your bank account and giving them that and, and the money, and they'd put it to your account. Well, I got to thinking about that one day. It would be possible under that situation... That, that somebody could go in the bank. They had my account number. They could write it out on one of their deposit tickets. Take it up and put, give them a $1,000. And they put that $1,000 in my account. That money would have just been imputed to my account. Their money put to my account. Well, you know what? Here's the great thing the Bible teaches. And we'll go on and see this in the next few verses. God's righteousness is imputed to our account when we trust Jesus as Savior. I've got a good answer for somebody that ever asked me this question. So far, they've not asked me. So I tell you what the question is and tell you what the answer is so I can get the satisfaction out of it. How good do you have to be to go to heaven? Most of them are Ready to get pat on the back and say, "Well, I know you're good to your mama and everything." And I was, listen, you got to be as good as God to get to heaven. Now, even a lost sinner, probably that has even a weak concept of God, would probably know something just don't sound right about that. I got to be as good as God to get to heaven. Well, you do. You can't go. You sin. God's holy, righteous, and you know what. The only way I, I can do that is not by living a good life, doing the best I can. And I, it's by when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, God imputed to my account His Son's righteousness. And not only is that the only way I can get saved, but when you realize that, that is the way you can get real assurance that you are saved and you're going to heaven. As long as you think there's got to be some little something maybe I need to do yet or something I've left undone, I'm just not quite ready. I don't think God would take me. Well, you're right, He won't. But if He's put His Son's righteousness to your account, then that's what He's looking at. Isn't that great? I'm going to start over again, just with a reading. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. What Jesus did on the cross, the finished works there. That's what God accepts to make us right with him reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. He put those trespasses on Jesus. And then when you trust Jesus, he puts Jesus' righteousness on you and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God. Now here it is, is, Second Corinthians 5.21, I believe that is the one that James uh, uh Quoted, for he hath made him to be sin for us who you knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Wow, what a verse. God made his own son. Didn't make him to sin. Jesus never sinned. Had he sinned, he would have been disqualified as our perfect sacrifice. But God put my sins, your sins, the sins of the world, past, present, future. Adam's sins were on him. Eve's sins were on him. The last person before Jesus comes back or at the end of the, uh, the millennium. Uh, if his sins are going to be paid for, it's because Jesus paid for them. What a truth that is. He has made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Now, if I didn't believe that God was real, and I didn't know what God says about how man can be right with Him, I would have no hope. I would have no hope. Uh, Isaiah 53, 6, uh, here's the way Isaiah relates that truth. All we like sheep have gone astray. There's our sin. We've sinned. We have turned everyone to his own way. There's our self-will. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord has put on his sacrifice, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And then... 1 John 5, 12. We're just looking at verses that tell us that Jesus is our Savior. We tried to establish that God is real when we first started out. And with God, a real God, He gave us a real book and it tells us about a real Son, the Son of God, who is God, who made it possible for us to be saved through trusting Jesus as our Savior and God imputing to us the righteousness that belonged to His Son. This is known because we have the Word of God that we can look into and see this. And under this, Jesus our Savior, I've got one more verse. We're we're getting there. We're getting there. If somebody asked me, what is your favorite verse? Well, I don't know if I'd say this is my absolute favorite, but it would certainly, I believe, be in the top ten. Along with... Probably that Second Corinthians 5.21 verse. Uh, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteous of God in him. I like this verse because I'm a simple person. Complicated stuff is too complicated. <laughs> 19 words, none of them bigger than five letters. I don't believe there's none of them bigger than four letters. But I know not five. 1 John 5, 12 says this. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Well, how in the world do you get saved? It's a pretty complicated procedure, isn't it? He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not lie yeah but don't I need to he that hath the son hath life and he that hath not the son of God hath not life. the question that ought to come out of that then is well how do you get the son it's when you come to him and confess you're a sinner and ask him believing that he died for you ask him to forgive you and save you and take you to heaven that's when you trust the finished work of Jesus That's when you trust the plan of salvation that God instituted. It's not of you. It's not of me. It's what God has done for us. See, the Word of God's important. You don't hear that from the world. Where else would you find what we've just talked about right now? You say, oh, Brother Terry, I just don't believe that stuff. Listen, it's not up to me to convince and convict your heart that this is true. That's God's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. God wants me to do whatever I can within my ability and power to get the message through His Word to a lost world, and He'll do the rest. If He don't do the rest, it's not going to get done. And then last thing I said we'd look at, based on Scripture, and we're trying to show you at the start how important Scripture is. And we have a testimony that this word is true because we have a God that nature reveals, even to a man that can't read, knows no theology, that there must be something beyond me. The last thing I said we'd look at, we said Jesus our creator. We looked at that. Jesus our savior. We looked at that. Jesus is our peace and future. I don't have a lot to give you with this. I'm just going to give you a, a, a few verses here and um, uh, we'll be done. Jesus our peace and our future. Uh, the setting, Jesus with it is, with, this is John chapter 14 Jesus with his disciples, they're in the upper room. Ever since Jesus called his disciples, he's been preparing them for two things, basically. He's been preparing them for the ministry that they'll have, and he's been preparing them for his departure. And he's just a few hours from his departure. This passage starts out in the, in, in the room where they had that uh, last supper. When you get to the end of the chapter, end of chapter 14, uh, Jesus says, let us arise and go. So we know he left there and was headed to the garden. But here's what Jesus told his followers, just three verses. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Verse 3, 14, 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will, not I might, not perhaps, not maybe, I will come again. And receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. We're still waiting for that. I believe we're that close. I can't prove it. If I said I feel it, you know, we don't base on feelings. But God has given us a lot of things to help discern and determine the time. And it just seems like from what we see, He's promised He'd come back to get us. That's what sometimes we use the the term rapture. The catching away. It's taught. It's definitely taught. 2 Corinthians 15. uh, I believe it's... 1st or 2nd Thessalonians 4. It's right there. Jesus said, I'm coming. In the moment, in the the twinkling of an eye, millions are going to be gone. He's going to catch His bride away. We're going to meet Him in the air. You say, brother, tell you, you believe that? Why shouldn't I believe it? God's got a good track record. Got a good track record. If we go back and we study uh, 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 the prophecy that God gave, that has been completed, that has been fulfilled, fulfilled exactly what He said, uh, the way He said it would be. Jesus is coming again. He is our peace. While we're here, Jesus was telling His disciples, remember, They're going to have the most traumatic experience of their life in the next few hours from when He spoke these words, when they see Jesus taken away and crucified. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. We can't stop bad times, troublesome times, fearsome times from coming. But Jesus has promised that He can be our help and our peace. If we lean to Him and expect Him to do it. He did say, I will come again. I will come again. He hadn't come yet. But His promise is true. And He will come. As I wrap up here, if that event happens where millions disappear and you're still left behind, don't take any marks. Don't let it be tattoo any numbers on you. Uh, that means eternal damnation. Sobering, isn't it? God's church, God's children won't be here. There will be people saved after that time. That's that group that's going to have to endure to the end and not do what the Antichrist tells them they got to do just to stay alive. Just to stay alive. Father, sometimes I say some things and then I wonder if I made any sense at all. Uh, Lord, I know, I know You're able. You're able to take Your Word. And you're able to make it real. You're able to uh, send it into people's hearts. And Father, I pray even right now. We've just seen Three great facts of the Bible that the world would deny are true because they deny the one that uh, uh, these things revolve around. They don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. They don't believe Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. I appreciate any opportunity you let me have to say something to somebody or to give somebody a track. It's not up to me to convince them of the truth of it. It's up to your spirit. So Father... I just pray now that this has been an encouragement to us. Jesus is our Creator. And He loves us and He cares for us. He's our Savior. Now, for us to benefit from that, we must receive Him as our Savior. For the one who does not, He is not their Savior. One day He will be their judge with a horrible judgment in hand. He took our punishment. So He could let us come to Him because our sins have been paid for. He paid for them. But that only counts for us if we receive what Jesus has done for us. And then He is our peace. He is our future. He is coming again. Or perhaps I'll go by way of the grave, by way of the undertaker instead of the uppertaker, But I'll be with Him. Then one day I'll come back with him. I'll get that new body. Lord, speak to hearts. Meet the needs that are there. We know that you're able to take a message that maybe is not addressing a particular great need and yet you're able to speak to our heart and meet the need anyway. We ask that you do that uh, even tonight. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.